are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. He was a servant, but he was an apostle. A lowly servant. A bond slave of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle. We don't have any apostles today, regardless of what some charlatan may call himself, or regardless of what some ecclesiastical potentate may be called. There are no apostles today. An apostle was one who was sent by Jesus in person. We're sent by the Holy Spirit, the other self of Jesus, and are as definitely called as were the apostles. In fact, down here in verses 5, 6, and 7, we read, Among whom you also the call of Jesus Christ, called to be saints. Every Christian is a saint. Every born-again person is a saint of God. A saint is not somebody who has been catechized by some ecclesiastical hierarchy a hundred years after he died, but one who is set apart in Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. And that's the kind of separation I believe in. Separation unto, it's positive. It's for a real cause. But you cannot be separated unto the gospel without being separated from a great many things. And that settles a lot of problems. Problems of morality. Problems of ecclesiastical association. I don't believe in preaching the gospel from the pulpit and taking an offering to pay somebody to teach that the gospel I preach is false. Back in Alabama, there's an asylum where I understand they used to have a, a certain test to find out whether an inmate should be promoted to another department. And uh, they would give him a mop and tell him to mop the water off of the floor. But they would open the spigot, let the water run, and if he tried to mop the water off of the floor without shutting off the faucet, they'd put him right back in the department he came out of. I don't believe in trying to get the water off of the floor with the spigot open. And yet there are a lot of people who preach the Word of God, preach the truth, and take an offering to support some seminary that's teaching counter to what he's preaching. So, to be separated under the gospel of God has a lot of negative implications. I played football for nine years, organized football, and uh, that's been over 50 years or around that. But uh, back in those days, we, we were rugged. We did not play the sissy kind they play today. Uh, where every fellow stays in about five minutes and then comes out. They have the defense and the offense. But we played both sides, offense and defense. And I believe in that. I believe in defending the Word of God and fighting against those who would corrupt the Word of God, but 
proclaiming the Word of God, separated unto the gospel to get it out to the world. And that's the business of every man called of God, to get the gospel to those who have it not. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, when you talk about the gospel, oh, oh there's the simple gospel. Paul said, I, I delivered to you that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was raised for our justification, raised again according to the Scriptures. And here he speaks of Jesus Christ being made of the seed of David according to the Scriptures. And uh, while it's the simple gospel that Christ died for us and rose again, and by faith in him we're saved, eternally saved, it's very important that we base that on the Scriptures and uh, intertwine with this truth is the truth that the Bible is the Word of God. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness and for doctrine, that the man of God may be complete, perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead in his appearing in his kingdom, preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Now, what Paul is saying here is that the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, therefore preach it. It's better than anything else you can think up. Better than anything you can read in the commentary. Preach the Word. It's profitable for reproof, therefore reprove. It's profitable for rebuke, therefore rebuke. It's important that we preach the negative side of these things. And uh, the gospel condemns men and then points them to Jesus as the only way of salvation. But Paul said there are several things about the gospel that are, must be sounded over and over again. He was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Jesus Christ was a human being. He was the eternal God, but he became human so that he could represent us, so he could take our place and die in our stead. He was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And this declares that he was the long-promised Messiah. Men had looked for the Messiah to come all through the days of the Old Testament from the time God announced that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. They talked about the gospel, the evangel, the good tidings. Isaiah, under divine inspiration, said, I'm anointed to, to preach good tidings of great joy. Jeremiah said, A king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Daniel had a vision of the Son of Man, one like unto the Son of Man, judging among the nations. 
He saw that stone cut out without hands pulverize the image representing the great world kingdoms and become a great mountain and fill the whole earth. They talked about the coming of the king, but that word evangel, a gospel, was made sublime that night when the angels announced in the environs of Bethlehem unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Behold, I bring you good tidings. I bring you the gospel, in other words. And uh, he was made of the seed of David. Here was the long-promised Messiah. He was rejected. He came to be rejected. And he's declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. That is, the Holy Spirit. He's declared to be the Son of God with power. Now, remember those two things about the gospel. There are many other essentials to the gospel. But he was made of the seed of David. He was proven to be the Son of God by the resurrection. You may teach without preaching the gospel. You may teach the truth. But you cannot preach without preaching that we have a living Christ that he was raised from the dead. One is not preaching if he doesn't sound that note. The fact is, scholars of the Word of God speak of the, the, the kerygma, that is, the preaching, as distinguished from the teaching, the so-called didache. I don't mean that document that was said to be the teachings of the apostles, but uh, the teaching of the Word of God, which implements the preaching. You may teach without talking of the resurrection, but you cannot preach without preaching a living Christ, one raised from the dead. He's declared to be the Son of God through this resurrection from the dead. Now remember that he was of the seed of David, that he was raised from the dead. And Paul said, I'm separated under that gospel. And uh, he went on to say to these Romans that I must hurry, I thank God for you all. I prayed for you since I heard of you, your, your salvation, in other words. And then he said, I long to see you. God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit through the gospel, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if now at length I might have a prosperous journey, to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that it may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, the faith we have together, the mutual faith, both of you and me. For he said, I'm debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready now to preach the gospel to you there at Rome also. He had seen the gospel work among the sophisticated Greeks, He'd seen it work among the, the Jews, whom he was one, and uh, he knew it would work in Rome, the seat of political power. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Now, righteousness is revealed in the gospel. Often I see outlines of Romans, and they're all very much alike, and they're good outlines, uh, outlined with the word righteous. 
righteousness needed, chapters 1 and 2. Righteousness provided, the latter part of chapter 3. Righteousness received, chapters 4 and 5. Righteousness experienced, chapters 6 and 7. Righteousness guaranteed, chapter 8. Righteousness rejected on the part of Israel, uh, chapters 9 through 11. Righteousness manifested, chapters 12 through 16. And uh, that is the key word to the book, but the theme of the book of Romans is the gospel. For righteousness is revealed in the gospel. Uh, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. You don't have to even know the gospel to know that there is a God and that he hates evil and he judges evil. It's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. For that which may be known of God is manifested unto them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, the heathen, are without excuse. For when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be sophisticated, they became morons. Sophisticated morons. Sophia mora, that moron, that's where you get your word sophomore. Uh, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like an incorruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And inasmuch as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to be homosexuals. Even their women did change the natural use to that which is against nature. Likewise, men also, men with men, burn in their lust one toward another working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet, which was appropriate. If they did not want God in their knowledge, it was appropriate for God to say, run your course, see where he'll take you. And they went down, 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 and read of all those terrible things that men do in the first chapter of Romans, and that is manifest. Reasonable people see it, whether they know the Bible or not. But uh, the gospel is revealed here in this book, and, and uh, God has given us the gospel to reveal his righteousness. That's where righteousness is found, and it's based on the blood of Jesus Christ for you and me, Paul goes on to explain. But he was separated under the gospel, and I, I'm separated under the gospel. I'm against everything that hinders the gospel. Paul said, as we heard just a few minutes ago, if any man bring any other gospel than that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed, let him be damned. So we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel that which we have preached unto you. Let him be damned. This gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ and in him alone, and anything that's against that is wrong. And we ought to stand against it and rebuke. You see, they're living in such a day of positive thinking that they say we fundamentalists are mean and unloving because we stand against evil. There's a man over in America who preaches in a glass church and he doesn't think you ought to throw stones because he 
lives in the glass house. He said the Holy Spirit is positive. And if one is filled with the Spirit, he'll be positive. Always positive. Well, it's too bad Jeremiah did not know about that. Too bad Jesus didn't seem to understand that when he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You tithe of anism, mint, and come in, but you have omitted the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Then they come along and say that, that Jesus said, Your creed doesn't amount to anything. What you believe doesn't amount to anything. Uh, you just, just uh, so long as you're loving and nice. He said, justice, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done, but not to leave the other undone. He said, you blind guides, which stranger than that, and swallow a camel. Jesus got negative. And he, the Holy Spirit, was poured out upon him without measure. No, we are to rebuke and preach against sin. But Paul said, I, I am a debtor to bring this gospel to the world. Because God had done so much for him. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit which are God's. Now, we are bought with the price. We can't pay God for what he's done for us. But Paul said on one occasion, I fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ. Not that Jesus had left anything unpaid, in the bundle of the Savior's sufferings, every needful pang was born. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. I can't add anything unto that. But uh, Jesus came that there might be a gospel. And Paul said, I've been raised up to preach that gospel. A story needs a teller. An evangel must have an evangelist. A gospel calls for a preacher. It calls for a missionary. It calls for witnesses. And Jesus said, ye, and that's plural. That means y'all. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. And uh, that doesn't leave out any Christian. We're to witness that Jesus died for us and rose again. The gospel lays that upon us. And Paul said, I'm a debtor to get this gospel out. He's a debtor because Jesus had died for him and and then he felt that he was a debtor because he had the truth. So have we. People have looked for truth down through the centuries. Philosophers have tried to find the truth. They've been truth seekers. But God has revealed the truth in Jesus Christ. And in this blessed book, which is Jesus Christ written, Jesus is this book living. We have the truth. That puts us in debt. Very much in debt. And then Paul felt that he was a debtor because he had that high calling to which we referred. He was called to be an apostle. And we're called to be saints. And God has given, he gave the apostles and he has given evangelists and pastors for the perfecting of the saints and teachers to build up the saints, to edify the saints for the work of the ministry. The saints do the work of the ministry. We read in the early church that they went everywhere preaching the gospel except the apostles. The apostles were in Jerusalem and the lay folk were out in the open forum and marketplaces in the homes and all around preaching the word of God. That's your responsibility as a child of God. 
to announce it, to witness, to tell others. And uh, it's our responsibility to help others who are preaching the Word of God and to preach it ourselves. And then Paul felt that he was a witness because he saw the need of this godless world. He said, I'm a debtor and I must pay my debt. And Paul did. He gave his life for the gospel. And shortly before he died, or at least while he was in prison in Rome, he wrote, wrote to the church at Philippi, perhaps uh, when he first got to Rome, when he was living in his own hired house and he was in bonds. He wrote to the church at Philippi and, and uh, he told them that his bonds had fallen out for the advancement of the gospel. But then he was back in prison again, we think in that Mamertine dungeon, and there he wrote his last epistle, Second Timothy. And in that epistle, by the way, I had about 60 people in there one time, and there's hardly room for us to walk around. We had uh, crowded in there. You could reach up and touch the stone ceiling right over your head. That's, I think, less than seven feet high. You just reach up and touch it. There's a hole through which prisoners were let down into that dungeon, through that two-and-a-half-foot-thick ceiling, a little hole about two feet in diameter, through which Paul was let down there. You can go down a spiral stairway they'll put in there today. But uh, you can look up and see light through that hole, little hole in the seat in the floor of which they, through which they rake filth down into the Tiber River below, and uh, stone walls, little niches for about four little lamps, little gravy boat-like lamps. And there were some little 40-watt bulbs in those niches, about four little bulbs, and you could hardly see in there. I could hardly read the Scripture, so I just quoted from the last epistle Paul wrote. We think he wrote it in that dungeon. Uh, remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, but the word of God is not bound. Listen, Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, I told you to remember two things, that he was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, which I suffer trouble as an evildoer. I was assigned the subject, what is the gospel? It's that Jesus came from heaven, born of a virgin, died on a cross, and rose again, was rejected as king, died on the cross in our stead, and rose again, and through him there's life. Now that's, that's the simple gospel. And there are many other implications. Have you received Christ as your Savior? You give an assent to the Word of God, but are you really saved? Our sister asked that question after that lovely number a while ago. Have you been born again? I was a church member 11 years before I was saved. I joined a Baptist church when I was Eight years of age, and when I was 19, 
teaching a Sunday school class, I found Christ as my Savior. Are you saved? Would you go to heaven if you should die tonight? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.